Hello, everybody. This is Let's Talk Arts and Entertainment, News Talk 94.7 and 970 WMAY. And this is the second episode in our State of the Arts series, taking a look at arts uh, around Springfield, Central Illinois area, and around the world. Um, I join these, uh, these episodes I join with Gus Gordon. He joins me to talk about all of these topics as well. How are you doing, Gus? Kevin, I'm doing all right, sir. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. Um, so, uh, one thing I want to jump into, uh, first is the news, uh, broke last week that, uh, UI, the U of I is, um, developing or has developed this rapid test, uh, for COVID-19 that is able to, um, detect if you have COVID three to six hours after you take the test and it's a saliva test, it's not, you know, sticking the, the, you know, Q-tip into your brain. So, um, yeah, so, so I, I wanted to, you know, just talk a little bit about that with you. If that's, if that is something that if it is able to be mass produced, um, it's certainly going to allow, um, events of all different, uh, you know, sports, uh, arts, everything. Uh, so I, sure. I wonder if, uh, if, if something like that might be able to sort of, uh, cause I mean, with theater, it's going to take probably until there's some sort of vaccine to fully get back to where everybody was before March. But uh, I, I wonder if this is going to, if this will help kickstart some uh, being able to at least do some uh, more shows on a bigger scale, maybe. I don't know. Sure. You know, I would think so. Um, if, if a group can get together and they're all healthy and they can all take a test at the same time and then keep being tested, I think there's some level of security that you know you're working with a group that is is lower risk and if there was some way to get a result quickly um i think that'd be really and and effectively and correctly i think that would be enormously helpful i know um i recently did a test over at the walgreens on ninth street and i got the results back pretty fast i mean within four hours but when you go in there you really don't know for sure when you're going to get the results back and they they say regardless of whether you have symptoms or regardless of the circumstances you've gone there uh, to get tested, that you should quarantine until you get the results back. And in my case, I hadn't been exposed to anybody, but I was, I was um, just doing it as a, as a precaution, as a safety measure, um, and uh, wanted to see what the process was like, truthfully. And um, it, it was pretty fast. It was negative in my case. But knowing that you're working with a group of people and you all start at square one together, um, you can't isolate with a group in theater. You can't just all live in the same place, yeah. you know, for two months or whatever, however long it takes to do a show. But I do, I do think it opens up some possibilities for reassurance that people can feel comfortable that they're safe, that they're secure, and um, that they that they have that you know level of comfort that they can then say to the audience they were doing things safely, we're not putting anyone um, at risk here. So I, I think that would be helpful. You know what, Kevin? It really just depends on how long this all lasts. Yeah. Um, by the time they get this test, you know, widely distributed, and I think it's great. But you you wonder, well, will the crisis be over by that time? How long will the crisis actually be here? And since we don't know, it's great to have something like that be developed that allows us to begin to begin to have an opportunity to move forward. 
Yeah. And I think it also for, um, and right, you know, we don't know how long this is going to last, but if this test is able to get mass produced in such a way, it could even uh, go as far for audience members and say, hey, if you want to enter the theater, you know, make sure you've taken this test in the past two days. I don't know how viable that is, but I mean, if it could, yeah. I mean, you know, that's, you know, you're getting into, you know, I don't know what kind of territory there, but um, yeah. I don't know either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a great point. I don't know yeah. either. It gets, it gets complicated when you um, to have those kind of requirements. But, you know, this is, as I've said before, this whole situation is fluid. We all have to be flexible I was talking with a, one of our resident groups at the Hoagland. We um, aren't just a building um, that that produces shows. We also are a building that houses 20 separate, or more than 20 now, uh, resident organizations, most of those arts organizations. And I was talking to one of the groups, and they were, they were talking about a performance and how they were going to do this and do that. And um, the thought hit me at the time. I said, you know, you're thinking of this as how you would have done a show last year. And we cannot think of it that way right now. We have to think of it in new terms. And for example, they were talking about, well, we'll have people in the makeup room and they'll be, you know, doing makeup uh, for the cast. And my thought was, well, no, no, we can't do that. No, we have to, um, you know, if you're going to put makeup on, you got to do it at home and then come to the theater. You can't have a person one foot away from you putting makeup on your face with communal sponges. Yeah. Which is kind of disgusting in the first place. Right. But, um, yeah. We're going to have to rethink how we do things. And um, I think all arts groups, um, you know, we've been talking with the symphony and uh, the Illinois symphony and the Sangamon Valley youth orchestra combined. And now it's the Illinois symphony youth, or- youth orchestra, I believe is their new title. Yeah. And they're going to be starting to hold auditions and then some rehearsals and they, to their um, massive credit, they've done a ton of research on how to go about this safely, because there's a lot of concern with, with uh, horns and, and wind instruments and the aerosols that they produce. Yeah. And the, um, the solutions will be like you've seen on the newspaper. Um, there was a, a picture of Glenwood High School's marching band, and they all had you know, little covers on the bells of their trombones and things like that. And that's a way to, you know, reduce the risk of spreading the aerosols. And, you know, the, the youth, um, the, the Illinois Symphony has been looking at ways to do that to make it safer. And, you know, that's important. That's important to, to, to move forward. We have to figure out how to do it safely. And people are, are having to think outside of the box and think of things in a new way to make this happen. We can't, it can't be business as usual. It has to be you know, we're rethinking this. Yeah, absolutely. This, yeah, this, this is a every, yeah, we can't, you know, until everything's over, we can't do, yeah, putting, putting makeup on people's faces right in front of you. No, you know, you know, costumes, you know, those would have to be, you know, especially, I mean, there, sometimes you share costumes like hats and, you know, jackets or something. I mean, it's microphones, microphones, microphones. (laughs) you know, yeah, everybody gets their, yeah, the, the microphone is right next to your mouth. Yeah, it's 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 it, yeah, it'll be interesting, um, definitely. Um, it really will be, and you know, I think that we're all, you know, humans are pretty, um, you know, um, adaptable. Yeah, and I think that's what we all are trying to think about: is how can we move forward, and we just have to know we can move forward, 
but we're going to have to think of different solutions and think of these things in different ways. And it, it won't be what you're used to, but that doesn't mean it won't be effective and it doesn't mean it won't be fun. It's just for the short term, however long that lasts, uh, you know, three months or, or a year, whatever it is, um, we just have to start thinking of things in different ways until it's safe to, to be, you know, just doing what we do again. Yeah. Yeah. I also um, want to shift gears a little bit. Um, sure. Another bit of news, uh, theater news uh, na- nationally or around the, you know, globally is that Netflix, right. we, we talked uh, last week about uh, the streaming rights of shows and recording shows and the success of Hamilton. Um, and, you know, there was talks that uh, Disney Plus also wants to put out Aladdin. The, uh, the They filmed it in London. They might be putting that on there. But uh, Netflix has struck a deal to produce Diana the musical, a musical about Princess Diana, that um, right. there isn't a whole lot of information about it. There's maybe, there's, I mean, literally like a handful of reviews from the out-of-town tryouts. And no, not a lot of, aside from knowing it's about Princess Diana's life, not a whole lot of people right. know about this. So, it, you know, obviously, the, you know, a, something like Hamilton that people know very well or Aladdin or I mean there's other ones like there was a recent production of Funny Girl um you know musicals that people know um right. definitely will do well but you know the thing is not a lot of people know about uh this musical and it might get its world premiere not so much on a stage live but uh you know on Netflix in a recorded form and I think that's really uh that's really interesting and you know now that Netflix wants to get into this um do you think this will maybe start a trend hopefully for uh uh you know services to put more uh more uh filmed productions uh whether they're live or you know whatever on different streaming platforms well i think they have to judge this once the world is up and operating again yeah um because right now we don't know if this is going to pose a threat to people wanting to come to the theater or whether they'll just say well you know forget that i'll just sit in my you know, lazy boy and the wait for it to stream on Netflix and I can watch it whenever I want to. So they need to make sure that it doesn't hurt the industry first. Um, With Diana, that is, that is an interesting question. Um, It has a great composing team, uh, Joe DiPietro and David Bryan, who did a Memphis, the musical, which was a great musical. Um, So it has, you know, legitimate, People involved, the director is a guy named Christopher Ashley, who did Come From Away. Um, they have name, Broadway names starring in it. Well, not that the, I don't, I'm not familiar with the actors playing Diana, Gianna DeWall, and Roe Hartrumpf is Prince Charles. I'm not sure who they are, and I'm not sure I pronounced either of those names correctly. But Erin Davies, a Broadway actress, and she plays Camilla Parker Bowles and Judy Kay. Okay. Is, a, is a long-term Broadway actress who uh, plays Queen Elizabeth. The thing is, uh, Actors' Equity has given the okay for this production to be taped, and uh, they're not going to tape it in front of an audience. It's just going to be done on stage. I don't know what they've agreed to with the safety for the actors. Um, I don't know if they'll be able to stage it fully, you know, because I'm. You, you would think with Diana and Charles, there's going to be some kissing. Yeah. And certainly with uh, Charles and, and Camilla, there's going to be some kissing, maybe a little more discreetly. But yeah. uh, there's, you know, I don't know how they've decided to do that. And it might be one of those cases where they say, okay, these actors are living together for the next month. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be in housing that we've set aside. And they're not going to interact with their families. They're going to 
you know, get their negative results and um, test results, and then they're going to do the show. And then when the world opens up, they'll premiere it on Broadway. But, you know, Kevin, you brought up a good point. What does this mean? I mean, if this show's already out there, do people want to still go to Broadway to see it? Um, if it's a great show, probably. If it's a mediocre show, maybe it would really damage the the chances of a Broadway opening being successful. So I don't know. It's a, it's a risk. They must be pretty confident in it that it's a great show to do something like this. And it's great for us that we'd get, and it wouldn't come out till early next year. Yeah. But it's still kind of cool to know that there's something on the horizon that's very ambitious. But, uh, you know, it, there's a lot of questions on how something like that would work. Yeah. And I think it, um, and a lot of, a lot of us, a lot of, I mean, I mean, not just theater people, but a lot of people, you know, will tell you, you know, much like, much like a concert or any other, you know, live event, seeing a show live, um, you know, no matter what you might think about it is a much different, you know, there's much different than watching it, uh, filmed. So, um, right. you know, so maybe that sentiment, I think that will also, um, help, you know, be, you know, people still wanting to be able to see shows live and, you know, I've, you know, we said last week, you know, with you know, Hamilton bringing up again. I mean, I saw it on Disney plus, but I, you know, damn sure want to see it live at some point. Um, cause of how, right. you know, how good it was. I want to see, you know, see everything happen live, but no. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a question to look at if it's gonna, um, you know, right. you know, well, you mentioned that, um, this is an unknown show and, and you're, you're exactly right. This is, um, one, it had a, it had a premiere, um, I forget where it premiered, maybe the Fifth Street Theater in Washington, I, I forget. Um, but it, it hasn't been widely seen. But on the plus side, this is subject matter that has great appeal to the general masses. Yeah. And I think a lot of people who would have no interest in watching a Broadway musical might be interested in this just because of the subject matter. Yeah. So it might introduce um, the Broadway musical to people who wouldn't normally be exposed to that or even care about it they might say oh i love princess diana and i've you know been a fan and you know whatever i want to watch this to see how they depict her life and that that might um you know really work for them i yeah i think it could and you certainly you know again with hamilton you saw the same thing the modern uh, hip-hop score drew in a lot of people who would never even have thought of seeing a broadway show but they love that sure. cast album they love the music so um yeah I I think we'll see I think it'll be um I think it'll definitely be an interesting uh you know interesting to see this show when and if it comes to fruition on Netflix. Um yeah. and you also mentioned um funny girl there's a a, a service called Broadway HD which mm -hmm. I've been it's on you can get it through Netflix or you can just sign up for it online. Yeah. I think it's 8.99 a month mm -hmm. but it has access to a ton of recorded shows. Oh yeah. Um, you know, shows from London, like that production of funny girl we mentioned, and there mm -hmm. were several other 42nd street from London, uh, kinky boots from London. Yeah. And then they have Broadway productions. Yeah. They have archival productions from 40 years ago. They have rarely seen musical movies, things like that. Yeah. And it's, it's certainly something I think that I would be inclined to, maybe subscribe to for six months and watch everything they have. And then maybe, maybe not continue the subscription because Lord knows these days you have to subscribe to about 14 different services <laughs> just to get all the single shows that you want to see. Yeah. 
But yeah, it, it, there's a lot out there. If you are missing that and you want to see some really, you know, great stage productions, Broadway HD is a pretty cool way to do that. And it's not terribly expensive. You know, for eight ninety nine a month, you can watch, you know, however many shows you can squeeze in. And if you think of it, you know, compared to the price of a touring show ticket, I mean, that's... which is frequently 60 or 70 or 100 bucks, or in case of Hamilton, uh, 400, 500 bucks for, a, you know, one of the primo seats, yeah. then, it's, then it's kind of a great deal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and before we, uh, before we uh, head out here, I, um, mm-hmm. we, we lost a, um, a, very, um, a very loved and important member of the uh, theater community, and I know uh, you right. definitely want to say some words about uh, Gene Rubley. Right. Gene um, Rubley was one of the movers and shakers of the early days of the Muni. He and several other key members, including Tom Shrewsbury, were there during the beginning years um, making the Muni happen. And uh, Gene was kind of an elder statesman of the theater community. I did a couple of shows with Gene. I did a show called City of Angels with him back in 1995 and then a production of 1776 with him back in 2000. Um, Very funny guy. He always had a body joke whenever he'd run into you. He'd go, oh, have you heard this? Have you heard this one? And it's like, no, Gene, what's your dirty joke today? (laughs) And he'd give you, you know, whatever joke he's just heard. Um, He was kind of well-known in the community for being outspoken, And I think he had reached a stage in his life as an elder statesman that he felt he could say whatever he thought and uh, that it was charming and cute. Uh, Sometimes it was a little biting, but that was part of his um, appeal, I suppose, that he um, he would tell you the truth. He would after a show, he'd say he loved it or my gosh, that thing stank. (laughs) The worst thing I've ever seen. Um, But he was very well liked in the community and instrumental and keeping the uh, starting the Muni and then was one of the trustees uh, for years, I think. And um, probably until just recently. And uh, he has a, a ton of friends in the area who just really enjoyed him and know what a contribution he made to our community. He hasn't been doing as much uh, within the past 10 years um, because he has had some ill health, but um uh, but he still is is very fondly remembered by a bunch of people, and I think it's a fair statement that the Muni would certainly not um, be what it is today without his involvement during those early years. No, he he wouldn't. Tom Shrewsbury and uh, Florence Birchtold and um, oh, Jack McKee and Alice Payne. These are these are names that many of them I weren't I I didn't even meet. They were before my time, and I've been here thirty years. But they were people who Betty Ward, I think, was another one of the founders who just put their hearts and souls into the Muni and turned it into what it is today. And it's a beloved institution. And and uh, we can certainly thank Gene Rubley for his contribution to that. Um, I saw Gene's um, death announcement in the paper, but I haven't seen an obituary yet. But I'm sure it'll be full of um, of of his accomplishments and uh, the people who cared for him. Um, if there were the chance to to grieve in person, I know he would have a full house and a standing ovation uh, for people who just appreciated him so much. And as a theater person, he would probably appreciate 
having a, a, a full house <laughs> at his at his memorial. Uh, that's uh, he was a theater animal, and um, he just he loved that community. He loved the arts community. He was um, instrumental in the beginnings of the Hoagland. He raised money for the Hoagland too. Uh, he was involved with the theater center and theater in the park. Um, he did he did things all over the area, and he was quite a guy. Yes, and he will be greatly missed. Wonderful words, Gus. Thank you. It was very great. Um, so, so thank you all very much for listening in or watching. And Gus, thank you once again for joining me. Um, and we will do this again next week. All right, Kevin. Sounds great. And you have a wonderful week. You too, Gus. Thank you.